Welcome to our podcast today. Our podcast asks the question, hey, remember the 2000s? And we're here with your two hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Tom. And we talk about everything in the 2000s from your dirty, gunky GameCube controller that you can't get rid of to your other gunky GameCube controller you can't get rid of. Or from your cousin's Xbox that nobody played till the eventual 360, which everybody had the 360. I was one of those guys that had a PS3, though. I know, it cost way more money, but PlayStation loyalty. (laughs) And today's episode is very special to our childhood, specifically Tom's. Yes, it is. And we're going to talk about the amazing game Resident Evil 4. Six years have passed since that horrendous incident. I received special training via a secret organization working under the direct control of the president. I was to assume the responsibility of protecting the new president's family. Okay, it's game time. Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil. So, Tom, Uh, I'm going to let you uh, take over most of this episode because I did not do much planning for it. That's fair. And this is this was a pick I... I love the series. Mm-hmm. I love Resident Evil as a series, except for a few entries. I'm not that diehard. Right. But Resident Evil 4, for me, and not only just me, but I think for an entire generation of gamers, mm-hmm. or anyone that played either survival horror, action games, or anything that came out in this generation, Resident Evil 4, whether you know it or not, had a significant impact on the way you played games. And I know it's crazy to say because it is a little horror series, but it like you it just the groundbreaking mechanics of Resident Evil 4 that leads to things like Gears of War, Mm -hmm. Batman Arkham Asylum, Dead Space, Grand Theft Auto 4 and 5, Fallout, Uncharted, The Last of Us, Massive, all these games that really captured that perfect like balance of third person over the shoulder Mm -hmm. with that precision aim. Mm hmm. Because, like, up until this point, third person was, like, was just kind of, like, you know, f- cameras far back, more of, like, a action slasher type game, and then there was first person shooters. Right, which I struggled with as a concept. I do not have the dexterity for first person shooters. Yeah. Yeah. And then here comes Resident Evil 4, and it just lays the groundwork. There's so many things to say about it, it's hard to pick, so I think I'm just going to go, I'm going to jump into this quick, brief sum up of where Resident Evil starts. It starts in 1996 mm-hmm. with the release of the original Resident Evil game, the game that was just kind of thrown together, this B-horror movie game title. 
Resident Evil. From the, you know, at, over at Capcom. Mm -hmm. A little game of a small team led by Shinji Mikami. And that becomes a huge hit. Okay. Such a hit that they immediately rush on a sequel, which if they, when you look at the Resident Evil history, this is a common theme in that they rush to make a sequel, <laughs> they build a sequel, and then they abandon the sequel. Yeah, I can appreciate that as a millennial. I think that uh, much of what we do is very similar to that process. Yeah. We get our hopes up for something, and then something goes wrong, and then we're like, on second thought, Never mind. Just forget it. Forget all of Cause, it. Yes, because Resident Evil 2 was supposed to release the following year, but they scrapped it because mm -hmm. they weren't satisfied with the build they made, but the build they made was 80% done. That's so sad. How do you decide 80% in, like, no, I can't commit to this extra 20%? It's, this is a common thing that Capcom goes through with these titles. Okay. And it's usually because they go in a direction that they're not, it doesn't pan out the way they wanted it to. So the, this is the famous Resident Evil 1.5, which okay. is like the, the precursor to the Resident Evil 2 that we would get. And it features Leon, but it doesn't feature Claire. It features a different character. Uh, I think her name was Elsa Walker. Mm -hmm. And it's literally just a build off of the previous game, but with more monsters but a weird conclusive story that they're like, oh, we can't make sequels with this ending. Mm -hmm. And also, even though there's more monsters, the, the graphics took a big hit because having all that polygons on screen at one time. So they, in typical fashion, abandoned the 80% project and started afresh under director Hideki Kamiva, mm -hmm. I think. And he will come up later for another reason. Okay. And they hire a Holly like a like a movie script writer to pen the script and that's where we get this more dramatic, more involved Resident Evil 2 that is famous today. So that is and then eventually we get Resident Evil 3, we get Resident Evil Code Veronica, and that is where we get to Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4 was in production since 1999 and was originally supposed to be a PlayStation 2 exclusive. Oh, I can see yeah. that. Yeah, and there's a lot of interesting things that happen around this time between Capcom and PlayStation and then Nintendo. Okay. So Resident Evil 4 was put into pre-production you know, pre around 1999, and this version uh, was headed by Resident Evil 2's director, Hideki mm -hmm. Kamiya. I hope I'm saying it right. Uh, yeah. And this version, this will, this is, I don't know if you know this, so, so this version, aiming to be released on the PlayStation 2, mm -hmm. shifts the entire intention from the horror survival action gameplay to a more high-paced action style. Right. Uh, emphasis on making the main character cooler. He's very cool. Very cool. Uh, Leon Kennedy sort of became like a little bit of a gamer icon after this. Yes. I mean, he's so suave. Yeah, yeah. There is a twist to this version, though. What? Uh, to really emphasize and build up on the atmosphere, they actually spent 11 days in the United Kingdom taking photographs of graphic uh, statues and architecture to get uh, sample, you know, to get reference models for mm -hmm. their game. 
and the direct they kept pushing this direction and then eventually um Shinji Mikami who was kind of the producer of this project for Resident Evil 4 mm-hmm. he didn't like what was happening he said it was too far off from what was originally Resident Evil right so he just gave this team the license to make an entirely new property oh my goodness and that property would become Devil May Cry oh my gosh Mm-hmm. Wow, that makes a lot of sense considering like the style of Devil May Cry, but also kind of like sticks you with like the classic Final Fantasy hero who's got like a big sword and just there to fuck shit up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But even if you look at Dante, look like look at his hair, right. you see that there is that like he's a cooler, more sly Leon Kennedy. Dante's very cool. Like Leon yeah. is cool, but Dante. Is like Colin Farrell cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is where we get to version two of Resident Evil 4. <laughs> version two. By this point, by this point, there's an interesting twist that happens with Capcom. Uh, Shinji Mikami, the producer of the next Resident Evil title, is really unhappy with PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Or Sony, rather. And he decides to take this property and go over to Microsoft to try and sell them the rights to the franchise or the next few games. Is this the twist? No, yes, this is the twist. <gasps> a twist. I and this twist. is and uh I found this out from YouTuber Fact Fiend. This it's an amazing story. There's an article about it about uh the infamous Microsoft pitch. Ooh. So, mind you, this is um Resident Evil, by this point, it's a big enough series. Like, it's not a... Tri- it's, it, it, I would say it was AAA, but AAA then doesn't mean what it means now. Okay. But still, like, that's a massive property, especially when, you know, Microsoft is just launching their Xbox. Right. The opportunity to have a title, like a franchise that has already sold really well on their system is a huge win. Right. Xbox was just this teeny tiny little contender at the time. Yes. Who relied heavily on the the Shrek game. Yes. It didn't have much going for it. It needed a win. So they set up a meeting with Kevin Kevin Backus, I think that's how you say his name. He was the third party relations leader with Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And he has this meeting with Shimi Mikami. And uh, it's a room of with Mikami and several Japanese businessmen and then Microsoft's translator. Okay. And Mikami asks the translator, what would Xbox offer him and his team? Mm-hmm. Very simple question. The translator doesn't respond. Oh, no. That is, that is troubling enough on its own, but Mikami, yeah. being very nice, asks another question. He goes, he has a really good, uh, I have the quote here. What is your philosophy? Sony says games are entertainment, something larger, fueled by the emotion engine. Nintendo says games are toys, created by the legendary Sejiro Miyamoto, perhaps the greatest game developer of all time. Mm -hmm. What do you feel? That's a really good explanation for, like, how both of those stations promote their games. Like, it makes a lot of sense. Mario and Nintendo, it's, like, more fun, more playful, uh... PlayStation, I always loved, like, the stories behind the JRPGs and, like, the surreal aspect of their storytelling and the emotional aspects, too. 
So what yes. did what did Microsoft offer? The translator was again silent. Oh no. They had no idea what they were doing. He didn't know how to respond. Uh, Mikami politely got up <laughs> and left. Bye. And was so, so angry. He literally, as he left, went straight to Nintendo. The same day, went straight to Nintendo <laughs> and signed a deal with them immediately. That's amazing. Nintendo got the rights to, I think, the next exclusive Resident Evil title as well as four main I think three or four main title canon games. Nice. And that's when we get Resident Evil Remake on the game the GameCube, mm-hmm. and then Resident Evil Zero on the GameCube. Mm-hmm. And here's what this is where it leads into the development of Resident Evil Four. Resident Evil, you know, Remake, which is a fantastic game. I love it. Mm-hmm. I still hold it in high standards. Resident Evil Remake and Resident Evil Zero follow. I mean, updated graphics, but still follow the horror. Mm-hmm. The fixed camera perspectives of the originals and it did not sell well at all okay like it sold moderately all right but not a hit like not a hit nintendo needed so i didn't spend a lot of time actually playing these games or around this story as much when i was a kid um as you know i have like a weak constitution for violence and gore so um i'm getting ready i'm prepared for like the nausea inducing moments that we are going to talk about further on in the series. I had my dry cereal already, but I do enjoy watching and learning more about these games because there is a story element and the same thing with other horror things. I'm interested. I just can't physically stomach it. No, I completely understand And that. also they will haunt me in my nightmares. So I'm always really interested in the story element. I'm interested in what captures the audience. I just can't handle actually going through it. That's totally fair. Yeah. So I love to hear that people, like, there's such a strong fan base with these games. And, like, what I've seen of Resident Evil 4, I absolutely love. It is a very fun action game. Yeah. (laughs) So with the failure of the... You know, well, yeah, commercial failure of Resident Evil Zero and Resident Evil Remake. Somebody's going to be like, they weren't commercial failures. And it's like, they weren't smash hits either. Right. You need to survive on these, especially a franchise this big. Right. You need to have those hits. And And especially when the other ones had those hits. Yes. Yeah. You know it's out there. Like, mm -hmm. they've done it before and they need to do it again. Yeah. So that's where we get this shift in perspective and Shimiji Mikami. Sorry, I burped. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> he um he sort of starts to introduce to push into new territory and we start off with I think the first version for the GameCube was the titled Fog version. Hmm. This was forty percent done. Is there a whole lot of fog in it? Yeah. Is it a foggy game? Very spooky. Ooh, spooky fog. I'm going to butcher another name and I apologize. This version was directed by art designer Hiroshi Shabayata. I I hope I said that right. It's hard to say other names in a different language. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this, this, This is where we first get Leon Kennedy as the main character in Resident Evil 4. He's exploring a creepy mansion located in Europe. Spooky Europe. 
This one, interestingly enough, features traditional Resident Evil monsters. Okay. So this still has the old vibe to it, which pushes them to do another version called the Hookman version. This is version three. This gets another, like, this gets very close to being completed. I think about 60% of this version was completed before they scrapped it. Was there 60% fog in this one, or just the 40% one had fog in it? Th- this one had hallucinations. Whoa, okay. Yeah. So they're trying to push for more action and different type of horror, and they're still experimenting. And I think they were inspired by some horror films, and um, I can't remember which one specifically, but what's interesting about this version, the Hookman version, this actually had a trailer that played at E3. Okay. And this is the version that I was in the sixth grade, and someone we went to... All Threat Mineola with <laughs> Santiago <laughs> came up to me in the boys' locker room because that's what you do. Yes. Um, that is where most conversations are had. In the boys' locker room. Yeah. Uh, and he hands me a gamer magazine and says, I know you're a fan of the series. Here are some images of the next Resident Evil game. Oh, and cool. I was hyped yeah. for like an entire year. <laughs> I was like, Resident Evil 4 is going to come out. Resident Evil 4 is going to come out. And it wasn't. Very different looking game. It had Leon. Mm-hmm. It had Leon in his fa- you know, in his now famous coat. But he was in a mansion, and there was this ghost figure called the Hookman. Hookman. This version has Leon getting infected with a prototype of the progenitor virus, which in the Resident oh. Evil lore, yeah, in the Resident Evil lore is like the prototype to the T virus, and blah 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 blah. Weird lore. And they do include that in the game. Right? In the final version, he gets injected with something, doesn't he? Yes, he does get, they carry that over, but it's different. Okay. And, yeah, because in this version, there's still loose ties to the original franchise, but they're trying really hard to get this, like, hallucinogenic supernatural element in. Right. It seems like they are getting ready to move away from the original material and they're just trying to figure out what works best yes and how to navigate what people are going to be drawn to more yes and another interesting thing about these versions is they don't feature like they feature different more dynamic camera angles and a bit of third person right but not the version that really was groundbreaking so like it's crazy because this is three attempts at the same game like, imagine taking the bet and keeping money going to keep three versions going and then end up with the final version. And then that being such a hit, like, that's a huge risk. That's a huge risk, monetarily, professionally, and also, like, I don't think anybody would make that kind of risk anymore. <laughs> no, but it, it pays off because then we finally get, they, they scrap the Hookman version, they take mm-hmm. more time, but they develop this whole new story arc about a parasite with lingering thoughts, you know, lingering secrets of potential umbrella involvement. Um, Leon is the main star, but we now have mm-hmm. this whole... And certain things carry over, like the gothic mansions do come over. You gotta love those gothic mansions. Yeah. Uh, the Paris- They're so spooky. Leon does get injected with the parasite, but it plays mm-hmm. more to, like, a time rush now. Because mm-hmm. now you have this race against time to try and remove the parasite before it takes you over. They introduce the Las Plagas and the Ganados cult, and it's just, this game becomes a smash hit. Like, this game, commercially and critically, and even, like, I was mentioning at the top of the episode, 
this game really influenced an entire generation of gaming. Yeah. Like, third-person perspective shooters and just action in general really changed. Like, the way we look at video games now wouldn't be the same if it wasn't for, like, this momentous, like, shift in this horror franchise to, like, action franchise. And at the time, um, because when I was a kid, I did enjoy mostly watching other people play video games. Like, I liked to, to play video games, and I liked the Square Enix games of, like, Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts, but for the most part, I just enjoyed watching other people because it felt like I was watching a movie. Yeah. So Resident Evil 4 was the first one of the Resident Evil games that I watched somebody play. So I sort of just assumed that this was how the games were approached. I had no idea at the time that it was such a separation from the previous ones. Oh, yeah. It's... And I think that also was what opened it to new players because it even it was right. much more friendly, you know. It was easy, you know. It was easier for newer people to come in and play. Yeah. Um, the storyline as well; it's very independent. You don't need to have necessarily played a prior Resident Evil game to get this one, mm-hmm. but it has an like it has enough of the original series like lore in it the flair yeah Yeah. so that like if you do get invested in this character you can go play resident evil 2 or you can get excited for the next resident evil or you can you know do any number of things because there's a little bit of mystery in resident evil 4 like the main villain is this cult in spain that's trying to take over the world by taking and this is also i think this this game is very 2000s action movie like it is yeah. utter, like they even make fun of it in game how much of an action movie this presents itself as you have this american you know secret service man yeah. leon s kennedy how american is that name yeah exactly going over to spain Kennedy is a very American name. Yeah. He's going over to Spain to destroy a cult trying to take over the world by kidnapping the president of the United States' daughter (laughs) to infect her with the parasite to infiltrate higher-up governments. Named Ashley Graham. Ashley Graham. (laughs) Who we also know as the beautiful model, Ashley Graham. I think even at the final boss, he says (laughs) to you in-game, this isn't some American action movie, Leon, and it's don't like... Don't tell me otherwise. <laughs> don't tell me otherwise. <laughs> Leon has so many dumb one-liners in this game, it's incredible. Like, this That's game, amazing. I recently replayed this game on Twitch, and it is so mm-hmm. much fun still to this day. It really does hold up, and I think that is a testament to the kind of engine they built for this, like this new layout of action title. Las Plagas is quite the squiggly... Yes, it's very squiggly. Uh, quite the squiggly infection. Yeah. It's got a lot of squiggly factor. It's got quite a wet factor, too. Like, you just look at it and you're like, I feel like that is very wet if I touched it. Yes. Yeah. They make it as gross as possible. Oh, yes. And um, yeah. that was a new... I remember being a kid. And, like, because this was pre... Like, we had the internet, but this was pre, like, you could... You would have to really actively look for this type of material, and they were a lot. Right. It was a lot easier to keep things a secret. So I remember after Santiago told me in the sixth grade in the boys' locker room where we all went, "Oh, you know, boys' locker room for life." <laughs> that was a thing that you did. <laughs> no, <laughs> boys' locker room be like. <laughs> I remember being hyped, but not hearing about anything. 
But like okay. the only way I could find out more is I would go to GameStop weekly to ask about Resident Evil 4. Oh, Tom, that's so precious. And like that was the big thing. Like you, I, every time I was there, do you know anything about Resident Evil 4? Do you, I know I could have gotten the magazines. I just picture you like Oliver and asking for more, except instead of for food, you're just asking for like Resident Evil information. Yes. yes. Please, sir. Can I have some more about the gameplay? No. <laughs> like, anytime I can get my hands on a magazine, I was looking through it to find more information about Resident Evil 4. And I remember the, the exciting day came when I went to a GameStop and there was a big-ass poster for it. And I was like, oh my god. It is here. It it's is here. finally happening. Like, I, I asked the clerk, and this is like, this is the final version. But even then, they didn't know. Like, we had no idea what was happening. Yeah. Like, I remember the store clerk telling me, he goes, well, you know how in the other Resident Evil games they're all zombies? He goes, well, in this one, they've been zombies for so long that now they're smart zombies. And I was like, whoa! That's the thing, too, is, like, that's not even really what it is. But at the time, you do kind of figure out, like, all right, they're obviously something different. They're obviously still, like, ready to kill me. But you have no idea why they're acting or doing what they're doing. Yes. Yeah. So there was this allure mystery to it. And, like, un like it's so fascinating to think, like, in-game, you're slowly unraveling what's going on, that there's this parasite, and the parasite's being used by a cult to take over the world. And, like, it's so much fun. Like, nowadays, like, we have really good story-based games now. Yeah. Like, what, The Last of Us 2 just came out. Uh, I haven't played it, but, like... I feel like, actually, I don't know. I mean, there's a large gap of time where I didn't play video games. I feel like we were kind of missing some really good story-based video games, and it, it seems like now we're we're hitting a return of those story-based games. Yeah. It, I, I love The Last of Us, but I think... Mm -hmm. The difference is, because we live in a very hyper-internet information age, it's so easy to read spoilers. And I think, even though it's not technically a spoiler, mm -hmm. before I got The Last of Us, I already knew what the monsters were. We all knew that the monsters were, because they released, like, promos kind of telling you what they were. They were like, okay, these, this fungal spore that exists in real life has now mm -hmm. mutated to now inhabit human beings, and that's the enemy of the game. Right, like, I finished playing Persona 5, and there are so many options in the game that I didn't even get to or didn't choose that I just went online and found footage of what those other sequences would have been had I chosen things differently, or how I got Joe the New Game Plus version of it, and I don't want to play it because I don't want to add another 300 hours to Persona 5 Royal, but... yeah. I can look up everything that's different about that game. Exactly. Versus the original. Yeah. So, like, being... I remember it was such a significant time for me. I had a minor surgery, but it was, like, one of those where you have to heal for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And, like, that was just, like... it. The day of the surgery was also the day the game came out. So, I remember being, like... That was such a happy kick. Because, like, I didn't care that I was having surgery. I got to pick up Resident Evil 4. And yeah. There's something really cathartic about playing video games when you have to heal. I mean, when Joe had his back surgery, we picked up a Wii U, and I think Super Smash Bros. came out shortly after that, and we were just like, this is what we're doing. This is what's happening. <laughs> and that's no, it. I feel that. Yeah. And then 
as of, and I was like, I think I was, what, 12 or 13? And just Mm -hmm. playing this game, knowing that the originals had zombies, but slowly unraveling this mystery of what's going on in this game and being, like, fascinated and just intrigued. And it's so, it is, because, like, you still got a little, like, I didn't know the twist ending or what happens in The Last of Us, but that's only the story elements. Like, the additional story element of what these monsters are, that allure was gone. Like, you almost come at it like, like, The Last of Us is a very tense game, but that mystery is gone because it's like, all right, I know what these things are. And that's how most games are now. Like, they've remade Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3. Phenomenal games, but how, all right, I know that these are zombies, you know, I know how they operate, I know how they work. So Resident Evil 4, the, the allure and mystery of what this thing is, the how to kill it, how to engage with it, and then the mm-hmm. slow unraveling of the story was like, it, it's like something I cherish, like that experience. Right, and it evolves the story in yeah. the world so much because at that point you have already several games where, yes, you know the zombies are the enemies and here they present you with something similar, but it's different and then that way you're like, oh this world is like fulfilling itself by adding more depth and more layers to what these people are trying to survive. Oh yeah, and just I think this game, I can imagine, takes a lot of influence from horror, like, horror and sci-fi. Like, I think the closest thing for me is, like, the thing. Yeah. Like, that body horror element of, you know, the grotesque, like, mutations and these giant oh. monsters. It's very, oh. very the thing. So squiggly. So squiggly. Uh, so here, are some, here are some names of the monsters that are in the game. There's the typical huh. Ganado, which is the Lagos infected villager. Then we have the monks, mm-hmm. and then the commandos. Those were these were all Los Plagas infected members of the game. Mm-hmm. But then we get the really interesting ones. Like I love the giant salamander. I was going to say, uh, at that point in the game, when there is a giant infected crocodile-looking thing. I am all in, like, push my chips into the middle of the table, because that's when I was like, yes, this is amazing. You get to fight off a giant infected salamander. The salamander's name is Delago. Mm-hmm. It is a giant salamander. You all, like, It's a unique fight in the game where you get all your weapons taken away and you have to fight it with harpoons. It's so amazing because you're like you're on the water. You're like, oh, I need to cross this water, and you're like, you dumb idiot, something's gonna happen, but you still don't expect it to be a giant fucking salamander. No, and um, there was they even play like a jaw, like us, like a the music score in that part is a very Jaws inspired like theme, like dun 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 dun. It's yeah, it's oh my god, it hit all the right stimuli for a young adolescent boy um, it's so exciting i remember it's so much fun there yeah. is an easter egg and what's funny is that this is one of those easter eggs that nowadays everyone would talk about like do you know that easter egg and but back then like i only discovered it because i was a dumb dumb playing a video <laughs> game uh if you stand by the edge of the pier where the boat is 
there's fish. And in the game, it is common knowledge that uh, fish is food. It is health. You can shoot a right. fish, eat it, and you will gain your health back. So I'm standing there shooting at fish thinking, all right, I'm going to get some fish, eat it, and then go on the boat. Uh, if you shoot a certain amount of times into the lake, the salamander just jumps out and eats you. You know, I did hear about that, but I've never actually seen footage of it. Now I'm going to look it up. Um, I thought that it was just if you, like, stand on the pier and don't move. That might do it, too, but for me, okay. it was very specifically, I shot at the water, and then it comes up and eats you. <laughs> and I remember knowing that secret and <laughs> getting people getting people like my cousins to play it. Like the this salamander is, is like, I'm not waiting for this cutscene. No. I'm going to eat you now. <laughs> my cousins are not the kind of guys that would play the other Resident Evil titles, but they are the type that would play an action game. So they got very involved in Resident Evil 4. And I remember it was that cool little thing to be like, oh, there's an Easter egg. Go to the edge of the water and shoot at the fish. Try to get the yeah. fish. And then them be... I remember one cousin got so upset he didn't speak to me and just rage quit. When I... When I spent time, my first time watching somebody play Resident Evil 4 was back in the Parallax days. Yes. Yeah, when I would go to Parallax, and I'm watching this game, and it, because I get very nervous about horror things, I was already, like, shrunken into fetal position, and I wasn't sure what was going to happen. But it's at least enough that, like, the gameplay isn't so terrible until until you get killed by a chainsaw oh yes which is the most like you want to throw up it's so gruesome and you have no idea it's coming until you are already getting killed yeah, by the chainsaw that is Mr. Salvador. Oh, Dr. Yeah. Salvador. He, And what's crazy is that is the intro of the game. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That is at the very beginning of the game, you get thrown into a village where they're all attacking you. And then there's a man with a chainsaw and a potato sack on his head coming after you. Right. Throws you right into the action. It throws you right into it. And at that point, when you have so many uh, of these villagers coming at you... Yes, the chainsaw guy should be your first priority, but that doesn't mean you're going to get to it in time. Yeah. And then they just show chainsaw, neck, contact, and just spews of blood. And it's just, it catches you off guard. It still kind of reaches the point like, hey, this is a horror game. We're not forgetting about it. Yeah. Here's your blood. And I wonder how that's going to look for the remake. Because that, they have to keep that in there. Well, it's interesting is that when you play Resident Evil 5, they have a similar enemy type. Because Resident mm -hmm. Evil 5 is just Resident Evil 4, but in Africa and not appropriate today. Um, yeah, that one's super cringy. In that game, you see the blade make contact, but they don't follow with the whole animation. I think they kind of okay. knew that, like... Because even I have some notes about uh, different versions across the globe. Uh, in Japan, the heads... Not only is the decapitation not there, but the when the ganados, when the Las Plagas sprouts from their neck, that is also not in the Japanese version. Um, in the German version, I think they also removed the head decapitation scene. Um, in the North American version, you get all the gore. And not only that, but uh, 
the North American version of the GameCube. I have a I have a menge of notes specifically titled, <laughs> and I apologize for this. Uh, it, it it's not something I was th- was significant. I just thought it was funny because this yeah. this is I think this is, speaks to very much American two thousands culture. I have a segment of my notes titled Ashley's boob physics. <laughs> I'll allow it. Please proceed. Uh, in the Japanese and most versions of the game, Ashley has normal sized, well, not normal, like uh, average size regular boobs that do not bounce. Okay. <laughs> only in the American version and only on the GameCube version. They removed it later on. But in the original GameCube version, Ashley's boobs are not only bigger, oh, but have very bouncy physics. Oh, God. Because in a horror game or in a horror movie, if you don't have bouncy boobs, what is the point of having boobs at all? By their logic. That to me is fascinating to com- like to reflect on American culture and the aughts because they this is specifically only the American version. Like normally specific versions have things taken out of right. it. Right. Leave it up to us. To be like, keep that shit in there. We like more of it. <laughs> yeah, in the American version, they had the forethought to say, let's make them bigger and bounce unrealistically. Oh. And it's like, I'm lucky that that is not a thing I particularly noticed. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure that was a very particular item on the menu for a lot of young adolescent boys. But that speaks to the... I think that really does speak to the culture of the aughts. There was... You know, obviously, America, you know, American and worldwide culture as a whole does have this issue of objectification. Yep. But hypersexualized, unrealistic expectations in America, especially, because it's interesting that they don't, this gets removed in all following versions. Like, right. the PlayStation 2 version of this game does not have Ashley Boop physics. Uh, the, the Wii version does not have Ashley Boop physics. Somebody had to create that and animate that somebody did and then some poor like um graphics animator was told okay today we need you to work on this you pervert and then the remastered versions that come out like on the playstation 4 xbox one the pc steam version do not have ashley boo physics (laughs) and what kills me too is that somebody had to have that discussion in a meeting where they watched footage and somebody had to say the words, you know what would be a good idea for Americans specifically if you make them bigger and then just like add some extra gravity to it. And then somebody had to say, okay, sure, we'll do that. That is a state of America at the yeah. time. <laughs> um, but it's... We're working on it. Yeah, we are. We are working on it. Um, I actually write GameCube version North America releases feature only in America very obnoxious boots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... um. Sorry, I kind of got lost in my train of thought. Um, Ashley Boof's physics can do Ashley that to Boof's somebody. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> They're so obnoxious. She as a character is obnoxious. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, ah, yeah, ah, yeah, ah. 
Sure. I mean, her character in general, right? She's an object. She's essentially, like, cargo to deliver something to another place. They could have stolen the president, but instead they make it... They stole the president's dog. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you could argue in general that Ashley's role is not so great, um, and it is... You know, pretty standard with a lot of video games, especially during that time. But I hope that they give her a little bit more autonomy this time. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, because it just like it's this is one of those games where I forgot what they call them. They call them mission side mission games or escort missions, where you're escorting a person, and usually these are obnoxious, very difficult, and annoying parts of a game, okay. like. Maybe, I think an older, very old example would be, like, Yoshi, Yoshi's Island, yeah. where he, Yoshi, yeah, like an escorting of a helpless character. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, Ashley is that escort. She is not very useful. She does not aid in Leon's quest. Mm-hmm. There are moments in the game where she does have a little more autonomy, mm-hmm. and she does do things, but it's still, like, she's not getting the gun. Right. You know, she is the president. She, like you said, like that's an interesting thing I like to point out. She's the president's daughter. She's not the president himself. Right. She, you know, and this was a time when one of the big, I think, influences might have been Escape from New York, mm. a John Carpenter movie. And in that, the American president is kidnapped and kept in New York, which is a prison island. Mm-hmm. And Snake goes in. You know, Kurt Russell's character goes in and rescues him. Mm-hmm. So there is that influence, but it's not the president. It's the president's daughter. Right. And there's this funny... She even does try, like, it's it's inappropriate because she's, like, maybe 18, 19. Sure. Maybe. And at the end of the game, when you beat the game and you're you're zooming away on your water ski from the exploding island, which I, I hope they found a boat because I don't think a jet ski can take you across the Atlantic. No, it can't. But she says to Leon after all this, she goes, hey, when we get back, do you want to maybe work some overtime? Oh, And Leon's super cool, whips his hair, and he goes, sorry. (laughs) Can't do that. So, uh, after you take me back to my place, how about we do some, um, overtime? Bruh. (laughs) Sorry. Cue the music to the movie, my date. With the president's daughter. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But, like, it is this... Yeah, I know that there are rumors of this being remade, Mm -hmm. and part of me thinks that in terms of gameplay mechanic, um, it's... I I don't think that it needs to, because I kind of still think the original holds up. Mm -hmm. However, that is an interesting point. If they've... If you, because a lot of the remake, Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3, mm-hmm. the remakes, both change a bit of the lore. Mm-hmm. They introduce new elements and new lore ideas. So, from that perspective, you could maybe get a better re. Because she never comes back. Like, Ashley's not in any other right. game ever. So, again. this is what I'm thinking make her a character who can actually fight with Leon, give her some bite, you know, make her an interesting character that people want to come back to. And then make her one of the characters in the future games. Yeah. She also, I mean, she gets infected with Los Plagas. Right. Like, we see how 
throughout the game, and it's a cool, you know, it's a cool element of the game where you see the eventual progression of this parasite. Mm-hmm. But you could maybe give more fleshed out agency to Ashley as an individual by introducing more of that story element, you know, or making it making Ashley a man. Make him. Yeah, the president's son. <laughs> Go save the president's son. <laughs> the thing that I feel about what they could do with Resident Evil 4 if they do a remake is the same issue I had with Kingdom Hearts 3. I thought that Kingdom Hearts 3 would be a chance to play Kyrie a little bit more and give her a little bit mm. more autonomy. And then they don't. They just, they have the option, and then they just throw it away as far as you can throw it. And they let you play Aqua for a little bit, which is awesome, because she's awesome. But at the same time, it, they just kind of like let Kyrie sit there and do nothing. Um, yeah. So I hope that they um, reinvigorate Ashley in the new one, if possible. They could. And what's interesting about this franchise as a whole is that when you look at its origins of the first game, it's mirroring, it's taking influence from Western cinema in horror. Mm-hmm. But the first game, you choose between Chris Redfield or uh, Jill Valentine. And I think... I don't know. I don't know how many people played as both, but I know definitely for me there was this fascination. I always played as Jill, yeah. and honestly, Jill. I think each character had their own perks. Like Chris was a little stronger, could move objects, but he only he had less item slots and couldn't use healing items correctly. Mm-hmm. And I think Jill was better at healing items. She came equipped with a lockpick. Jill, here's a lockpick. It might be handy if you, the master of unlocking, take it with you. And she um, had more item slots. Mm-hmm. She was a little craftier than Chris was. Then Resident Evil 2 comes along, and that's Leon and Claire. And I think they have essentially the same perks, just the stories are different. Mm-hmm. Resident Evil 3, you take the role as Jill Valentine, which I love the new look they gave her in the remake. Yeah. Because it's it's actually practical. Yes, it's very practical. I watched <laughs> I watched the Honest trailer for the Resident Evil 3 remake, and they said something very accurate that I think is happening in video games, although I totally support it, is nostalgia as its own genre of video games. Yeah. But um, I do love her new outfit. It makes a lot more sense. It makes a lot more sense. And then... So then we get to Resident Evil 4, and this appeal to the... It's interesting, because then it's appealing, instead of so much to the horror movies, Western horror movies, it's appealing more to Western action movies. Right. So now the female role is reverted to the escort mission. Right. And also, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you get kind of a Tom Cruise vibe from Leon Kennedy? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's... I get a bit of a Tom Cruise... I get... it. Like, I would say his lines of dialogue are very... Depending on what I always thought, like Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah. Like he's a bit Kurt Russell, but the action sequences are 100 percent Tom Cruise. Right, right. Um, I do need to watch Escape from New York, and I do love young Kurt, Kurt Russell. He's so handsome. Yeah, I love it. Like, re- in like in Resident Evil Four, they have Leon doing some intense stunts, yeah. like he's jumping through lasers, <laughs> and I could I could easily see the inspiration in the boardroom being. 
what would Tom Cruise actually do in real life? Right. Let's put it in a video game. Right, and his hair at the time is very Tom Cruise. It's oh, sort yeah. of like um, the next step after the 90s, like long bowl cut where the kid would just like part it down the middle and then like flip his hair back, except it's the 2000s version. Yeah, because I mean, if you look at the character sprite of Leon in Resident Evil mm-hmm. 2, it is that. Yeah. It's red hair, bowl haircut split down the yeah. middle. Now you get to 2000. Four, Leon Kennedy is blonde and he's got the flu. Yeah, he's got the <laughs> Leon Kennedy for Garnier Fructis. <laughs> yes. This game has been released on, I think, literally every console since its launch. Uh-huh. It has a PS2, Xbox 360, um, Xbox One, PS4, a PC version, then another PC version on the Steam, an HD remake, a Wii version, oh. a obscure Zemu Genic console, I think it's called. Okay. And in total, across all platforms, it has sold, let me see, all across all platforms has sold 7.5 million copies. It I think it is the fourth best-selling Resident Evil game of all time, and it is... It was awarded by Guinness World Records as the best-selling survival horror game in 2012. Um, just crazy stats, like it, 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 um, it won Best Game of the Year award in 2005 for Spike Video Game Awards uh, and Nintendo Power. It tied with Kingdom Hearts 2 mm-hmm. for Game of the Year from Famous. I can't even say. <laughs> accolade after accolade after accolade. Do you think that this video game would work now? And an addendum. Do you think they would add elements of the pandemic to the new version? Ooh, well, I, they, I think you... What's... Mm, <laughs> I think it's hard because it's hard because this is like with other things we've talked mm-hmm. about, they are concluded. Mm-hmm. Like the reason is not on the billboard. No. Anymore. But Resident Evil 4 is still actively played. Like, the remake, and no, not the remake, the, the HD re, you know, remaster and now a potential remake, it's still very much in the conscious forethought. But I think that there is, you know, buts. There has to be buts. The, fact, the mere fact that something as simple as boob physics has had oh. been evolved oh. over time means that in its original package... It probably would not be as welcome today, Mm -hmm. but there is the, but I think as we see with the remakes and we see with the movement forward, I think Resident Evil 4, one, still holds up greatly, um, and two, could potentially tell a very unique story now mm-hmm. because this this game is like on a from a sociological perspective very much a product of like Patriot Act America post 9/11 yeah. like very much like Leon's the American action hero Leon is the he's the guy you want to be he's cur- there's a bit of curiosity with bisexuality <laughs> But he's still very masculine. So masculine, he tells the president's daughter no. <laughs> like, but, um, and it's interesting because, like, even when I replayed it on Twitch, 
like I was playing it with people from, I was playing with some, you know, I had some friends watching it along with me. And then I made some new friends on Twitch who were from the UK. Mm-hmm. We all love the game, but there is like nowadays it's easier to kind of make fun of all the action cliches. Right. Like it's so funny to laugh at some of the goofiness that happens in this game. It very much is like watching a fast and furious movie, but with parasites. <laughs> That's an amazing comparison. Yeah, there's some gimmicky, jokey qualities to it that at the time I don't think were meant as a joke. I just pictured Fast and Furious, but like with Las Plagas coming out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, at this point, the Fast and Furious might as well do something. They should. They should really consider yeah, it's it. Either, it's either that or space. Yeah. I think also the one with Idris Elba, doesn't it go into like superhuman powers anyways? Yes, he has superhuman powers. Right, so we're... Yeah. We're at the starting step for that process. We We're laying are. the groundwork for Las Plagas and Fast and Furious to meet. I think we, as a culture and a society, are very welcome to the idea of a reinterpretation through the guise of a modern American perspective, mm-hmm. which is a much more cynical, much more aware... More self-aware. Much more self-aware you know we don't need we don't need an escort mission but we also don't need a mary sue either right like we don't need someone who's just for the sake of saying you did it having a character who's just invincible who's a woman with no flaw we want to see and even with resident evil 4 uh, 3 remake you see that you see whereas in the original resident evil 3 it's just jill valentine in a sexy outfit killing monsters resident evil 3 remake they touch on it in this interesting dynamic of here's a character who previous to this game experienced a horrific thing in a mansion mm-hmm. and is suffering from that like trauma mm-hmm. and now has to escape a city before it blows up. And that struggle with, you know, am I a part, like, am I a part of this now? Like that, like that just now you're stuck. Right. Like, these are act like these are goofy action games. But what was interesting about the third Resident Evil remake there is this idea that, like, due to no fault of her own, she's now a part of this world. She's a part of what this corporation did. She's a part of this monstrosity, whether she likes it or not. And she has to fight to not only survive, but to, like, take down the problem. Right. Like, the old games were just like, all right, here I am. I'm in this shitty situation. Do-do-do. Gonna go kill some zombies. Whereas now they're going into more of the fact that, like, she did not ask for this. This can cause severe trauma. And she is literally stuck with that trauma and cannot escape it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, now with a Resident Evil 4 remake, you could potentially get into a little more of that. Because, like, I mean, imagine that. Like, imagine being the president's daughter. And just because you're the president's daughter, you are single-handedly targeted for this. Yeah. Imagine Tiffany and Trump now... being specifically targeted <laughs> for this. <laughs> and the... The, like, struggle now that, like, by no fault of your own, you're part of this. I mean, that's even Leon's story. Like, he was just a guy who showed up on the job in Resident Evil 2, survives this massive monstrosity outbreak, and now is forever a part of it. He can't escape, and now he's he's a U.S. agent fighting more of this. So that's maybe some interesting story elements we can get into in the remake, but who knows? Yeah. You have any final thoughts about this? fantastically action B-movie 
video yeah, game? Yeah, I think there is a part of me that thinks that if it was just sold today as, like, a separate Resident Evil game, I think it would still do just fine, you know? Because obviously there are so many elements that have stuck for so long, but I think with the remake, they have ample opportunity to tap into elements of the pandemic and yes because there are so many people in the pandemic when we first started there are people who embraced how terrifying this was and watched all of the survival horror movies all of the zombie movies and then there are people like me who just wanted the good place and you know nailed it like the happy things so i think that um I think that the remake has a lot that it can work with, and I think it's the right time to do it. So, yes, I think it would work today. They're releasing an eighth game. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Resident Evil is like, I'm back, I got a makeover, we're gonna do this. Resident Evil 7 I loved, Hillbilly Monster Fest oh, was yeah. great. That uh, one's a weird one. The, the graphics creeped me out on that one. It's very realistic, and then... The next generation Resident Evil 8 is going to have witches and werewolves. Yes, that I'm very excited about. It's about time they came to werewolves. Maybe we'll have an episode on it because there are some cool monster movies about werewolves in the 2000s. Hold on. Well, we need to do like a whole mini series on just like supernatural movies like with Underworld and... All that jazz. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to us of Remember the Ots. You can listen to us on Spotify, where we will be posting weekly. And you can also check out our interactive content on our Instagram, Remember the Ots Podcast. And that's with zero zeros. So it's Remember the Zero Zeros Podcast. Be sure to like. Give us all the likes. Follow and like. <laughs> And share. I want to know. We want to know your stories too. I can't wait to hear about what other people have to say. So thank you for joining it's a beautiful us. Beautiful thing. Yes. Yeah, stay tuned, guys. <laughs>